As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. There's so many opportunities to learn, so many podcasts, so many bigger pockets, articles, and forums. There's so much out there. You have to continuously learn because this market is constantly changing, whether it's single family homes or commercial. So learning and continuously learning. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Anthony Pinto, how you doing, Anthony? I'm great, Joe. How you doing? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're glad to be here, and I'm doing well and looking forward to our conversation Anthony is a submarine lieutenant, currently stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. Thank you, sir, for keeping us all safe. Since he started real estate investing, he's acquired eight units in three months and has expanded into apartment building investing. So with that being said, Anthony, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So again, my name is Lieutenant Anthony Pinto. Submarine officer stationed here in Norfolk. Been here for about three years. When I bought my first house in 2016 as a primary residence when I first moved here, I used my VA loan. And then at the end of last year, I got off of my sea tour, my last submarine, and moved to a shore tour here again in Norfolk. And I really got thinking about how I, you know, I didn't want to spend the next 20 years of my life going underway being on a submarine. So I started looking for other means to generate cash and generate wealth. And I looked to real estate investing as a way to do that. 
So December, I started going to local meetups, found a realtor. By the end of January, I uh, had a quad that we currently are house hacking closed. And by the end of the next month, so end of February, we had a triplex closed that I bought with a joint venture with a couple other uh, Navy partners. Since then, we moved into larger apartment buildings, mainly in the Kansas City and the North Carolina areas. We had a, a 34 unit under contract about a month ago, which we had unfortunately had to release due to the property condition. It was pretty bad, I'll just say that. And since then, we continue to build my local team in the area in Kansas City, both in terms of boots on the ground and the property management. And actually tomorrow, we're submitting a call, an offer for a call for offers for a set of quads in the Grain Valley area on the Missouri side, which we're really excited about. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Let's first talk about how quickly you jumped in. I believe, if I heard you correctly, you started studying real estate and going to real estate meetups in December, and you closed in January. How did you find and close so quickly? First off, I had an awesome real estate agent. She was a veteran herself, and she focuses a lot on specifically military investors. She's got a mastermind herself that she does in the area with, and there's probably about 30 of us in that. So it started off with her. She had a lot of great connections. I like to call it the great connector, just... Every time I have an issue, she can point me in the right direction, whether it's insurance or flooring, tree guy, you name it, she's got somebody on call for that. So having a great real estate agent honestly really helps. Secondly, kind of looking through the weeds and seeing the opportunities on deals that were already on the market. So this quad that we're house hacking right now was about $60,000 overpriced. And it had been in the market for a few months already. And no one had really taken a bite at it because it was so overpriced. So we kind of looked at it and we offered a price that we thought was reasonable and they countered and we went back and forth for a while and it got to the point where running my numbers on it just didn't make sense. So we ended up walking away from that. And a week later they came back and said, Hey, we want to go with your original offer. And it's like, okay. So went through the whole contract and due diligence process and it got to about three days before we were supposed to close and we hadn't heard anything from the appraiser and had to push the closing another week. And finally, the appraiser came back at about $25,000 cheaper than the asking price. So I don't know if your listeners are familiar, but with the VA loan, it's 0% down, 100% loan to value. And the VA will pretty much pay up to the appraisal price. So anything higher than that has to come out of pocket. So here we were stuck with about $25,000 cheaper than what the asking price was. And I was trying to rack my brain about how to figure this issue out. And we came out to the agreement that we would just pay for closing costs. So for about $7,000 out of pocket, we got about $25,000 off the price. And the final price was actually cheaper than what we had originally gone with, which was a pretty awesome deal. Wow. How'd you meet the real estate agent? She was the only real estate agent that I saw that was holding meetups on bigger pockets in my area. So I went to a meetup of hers and I was impressed and I took her out to coffee the next day and the rest is history, I guess. What'd you end up buying the property for? We bought it for 287. Our original offer was 290 and the listed asking price was 350. It's a quad. Do you have it rented out? We do. So we live in one of the units. Two of the units are long-term rentals and then we Airbnb the fourth unit. How much do you bring in per month on average for the Airbnb? We get about 900 to 950 depending on the summer or weekend time frame, which is about 100 to $150 more than we could get if we just did a long-term rental on it. Okay. Are the other two 750 The one bedroom is 800 and the two bedroom is 1000 
Oh, okay. Great. So yeah, so it, it more than covers the mortgage and then some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2700 in rent. So it's what on the 1% rule, a little bit less than 1%, I imagine. Right. And that's including the fact that we're living here as well. So when we move out, right. you know, that's it. You know, that added probably another eight to 900 on top of that. And then 1.1, 1.2. Okay, great. And that was no money out of pocket? Except for the closing costs we had to bring at the very end. Yeah, 0% down. So how much in total did you have to bring? I think it came out to right about 7000 What about the triplex that you had partners on? Actually, I had Redfin alerts emailed to me for multifamily deals in the area. And I would occasionally kind of look through it. And I got this deal sent over to me actually at like six o'clock in the morning when I was getting ready for work. So that morning I kind of looked through it and I was like, wow, this seems like a really great price just based off of what I thought we could get for rent. It was going for 215 and we could rent it for about 2,800 in total. So that morning on my way to work, went to go take a look at it. I was like, oh, this doesn't look like a bad property. Basically it was a turnkey flip that the uh, owner wanted to get rid of to reinvest his capital elsewhere. So that afternoon I put an offer in and my realtor submitted it. And by the next morning, we had it under contract. What were they asking and what'd you offer? The asking was 209 and we put in 215. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry. You mentioned 215 earlier. Okay, so you offered more than what they're asking. Right. And my realtor was trying to text. So I can't have my phone in the shipyard where I am. So my realtor texting me. He's like, hey, we have a deadline at one. I need an offer. And I didn't get that until 1.30. And at this point, we have to be competitive because there's already two or three offers already in. One way we could do it is just offer a higher than asking price, especially since the numbers still work for that. Mm. What are the numbers on that one? We are currently renting it for $2,750. Bought it for $2,15. Mortgage comes out to be uh, about $1,100, about 33% expenses on that. So we're cash flowing about $600 total off of that property. You mentioned you had partners. How do you structure that partnership? Actually, this was a great learning experience for me because I knew I wanted to bring in outside money, but I didn't really know how to do that. So this was my first time using a commercial loan that I got through a credit union. So after we got the property under contract, I was like, oh man, well, like now I need to figure out how to find this money. So I started scouring bigger pockets and trying to do research as much as possible, raising private capital. And I saw upon a couple books, but I basically made a list of all the people that I knew, family, friends, people I went to college with, people I worked with, and just started calling a whole bunch of people. I probably called 60 or so people trying to explain what I was doing and see if they would be interested in this great opportunity. So my first partner I found is active duty Intel officer, also in Norfolk, and found him on bigger pockets. Turns out we had a ton of similarities. He was uh, two years behind me at the Naval Academy, and we knew a lot of the same people. I had him over for dinner, and we talked and talked, and he ended up investing about twelve grand with me. So the total raise for this was about $48,000. i will just start off with that. So he brought a quarter of that. And then the second guy I found was also a submarine senior chief, active duty guy. And he had done investing before and he had a lot of money tied up in the stock market and he, that he wanted to take out. So we got talking and he brought the rest of the 36000 So in about three weeks after getting under the contract, we had the full amount uh, raised to be able to close on the property. And how do you structure the ownership percentages? I had a big conversation with my lawyer on how to write up an LLC for this. So basically what we did is we formed an LLC in the form of a partnership with a president, vice president, treasurer, and three of us sat down and we just 
talk through the different terms. We talked through how we were going to do the equity splits, how we're going to do cash flow splits, who was going to take what role and responsibility, what we were going to do for the long-term business plan, what our different exit strategies were. So we basically got together with our lawyer and we talked through all these different things and our lawyer drafted up our operating agreement, which was the legal solidification of our partnership. And from there, we closed on the property and we are operating as the LLC and we're getting the cash flow and the equity and the percentages outlined within the operating agreement itself. And what are some highlights of how that operating agreement reads in terms of cash distribution priority and ownership percentages? Okay. So for me, since I was not bringing money to the table, I had to offer something else. So it's pretty similar to a syndication we're working on right now. So those not bringing capital to the table kind of have to be a little more creative in what they're actually bringing and the advantages they're bringing. So what I brought was obviously finding the deal. And I also personally guaranteed the loan. Since we were able to go through a credit union and do a commercial loan, it was recourse. Um, so I had to personally guarantee that, which I was fine with doing. 215000 It wasn't a lot of money to really be worried about. So I personally guaranteed the loan. So that and finding the deal and securing that financing got me 35% of the equity and of the cash flow. The partner that brought the most money got 50% of the cash flow and 35% of the equity. And then the last partner got 15 and 15. So we just kind of worked it out to make sure that the returns that investors were looking for made sense. So Based on that equity split and the cash flow, the larger partner wanted 11% return. And so we're able to get that to him based off of the conservative pro forma that we were operating off of. Let's talk about that 34 unit. Tell us a story about that. Sure. This property was on LoopNet. That's how I originally found it. I had gone on there for about two years. It had been under contract a year before that with another buyer, and it was not very well maintained. There was a lot of bad tenants in there. There were really high delinquencies. There was evictions left and right. The property just wasn't being taken care of. And the biggest issue with the previous buyer is that the property was made up of two multifamily buildings and a single family home on the same lot, which was very unusual collateral. And the Fannie and Freddie representative at the bank that the buyer was talking to was like, yeah, this is unusual. We're not comfortable with how this is laid out. So he wasn't able to secure financing for that based off of that and just how the property was operating at the time. So after they had released about a year ago, the owner went in and got rid of a whole bunch of bad tenants, put a lot of money into replacing the roofs and renovating the units and basically trying to turn the property around as much as they could. So the property almost did like a 180 between summer 2018 to 2019, which is when we were taking a look at it. So I looked at the property and it was being advertised to a local brokerage in the area. And actually the broker for this deal, I had met on Bigger Pockets earlier when I was visiting home in Kansas City over the Christmas break and we never had had a chance to meet. So long story short, looked at this property. I was like, oh, this numbers work. We negotiated out the contract for it and came to a price that was a little more than I would have been comfortable with, but the numbers still worked out even as conservative as they were. So we got under contract at the beginning of July. It was mainly me taking down this property. So I got a little ahead of myself on having the right experience and the right people on the team. Mm -hmm. So I had been building my team in that area for a while, but I didn't have the right players yet, as it turned out, going through this property. So set the contract up, got on the contract, started going through the due diligence. A lot of things just didn't start adding up. There was a lot of 
confrontation between the seller and us trying to get due diligence documents and trying to get answers for things that were happening or had happened with the property. So August rolls around, which is about three weeks after we had the property under contract and I went to visit the property and do the property inspection. And I had had a boots on the ground partner go to take a look at the property initially. And he had just done a walk through the outside and they had seen one of the only vacant units, which had been recently renovated. So based off of those pictures, I kind of had a sense of what I was walking into. So started doing the property inspection, started looking at the rest of the units that hadn't been renovated. And I was just appalled at the condition that this property had been maintained at and the condition that people were living in. I got told that 32 of the 34 units had been renovated, which was definitely not true. There was at least 10 of the units that had significant renovations needed to be done. One of them probably needed to be gutted based off of water damage that was ongoing that current management hadn't taken care of. So basically after the two days we did the inspection and I kind of just realized and got with the partners like, we're pretty much buying a lemon right off the bat. I'll go back a little bit. So that tripex that we bought, I had a lot of red flags going off in my head just kind of walking around and talking with my realtor. And a lot of those same red flags were going off in my head with this property. And I ignored them on a triplex and I wasn't going to ignore them on this property. So got with partners, we talked through it. And based on the property inspection, which had some pretty significant issues, significant mold inside units that people were living. There was ongoing water damage. And a lot of the units, there was foundation issues. We had, like I said, ongoing leaks. And some of the units should have been gutted. There were electrical breakers that were next to showers and next to sinks that didn't have any GFCI or or any protections like that. Just a lot of things were wrong with this property. And so we got together and long story short, we ended up releasing from the contract and uh, able to get the EMD back on that. But $5,000 for the property inspection was well worth realizing that this property would have been pretty much buying a lemon right off the bat. Did the submarket meet your expectations? This property, I don't know if I mentioned, I'm from Kansas City originally, so I knew where this property was, and it was actually about four blocks or so away from where my grandparents used to live, so I was pretty well familiar with the area. The area was what I expected it to be. The submarket and type of clientele was what I expected it to be, but there's always extremes of the of certain type of clientele. I understand what a type of classy tenant is going to look like, but there's always going to be extremes to that just the level of comfortableness that people are able to live in. And and so I was a little taken aback by some of the conditions that people were living in in this property. But overall, I kind of realized that this area probably needs a little more up and coming before it makes it worthwhile. Okay. And that's why I asked the question, because a lot of people will say, there's nothing about a property that I can't fix if I buy it the right way. But if a market or submarket don't cooperate then that's where I can get into some trouble because I can throw a lot of dollars at a property and you could make Taj Mahal in the middle of a D-class area. Not that that wouldn't make sense to do, but you could. But you can't make a a Manhattan type of environment in an area that's D-class. So when you got the inspection report back, what did you say to the seller did you try to negotiate or were you just pulling out? You're like, forget this. How'd that go? I knew that we were pretty much at the limit for where the seller was willing to go down. So I kind of realized that the level of negotiation that would make us comfortable with purchasing this property was much lower than what the seller was willing to go for. 
And just based on the amount of issues that were wrong with this property, it probably should have been torn down and built back up. There were so many issues that I kind of realized this property was 60 years old. So if I'm seeing issues now, what are the issues that I'm not seeing? What are the issues and the repairs that have been done over the years that I'm not seeing that may or may not have been startly done? So I kind of realized that we can negotiate this all day, but at the end of the day, this is not the type of property that I want to put my name and my investor's name on. So we did negotiate on it. We just pulled it based off of the property inspection. We basically pulled a a contingency for due, due diligence. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I think the best advice is you gotta learn as much as you can. Be the expert in what you're doing. People will flock to you when they realize that you are the expert and what they are trying to do. And you're continuously learning. And that's the other thing, continuously learn. There's so many opportunities to learn, so many podcasts, so many bigger pockets, articles, and forums. There's so much out there. You have to continuously learn because this market is constantly changing, whether it's single family homes or commercial. So learning and continuously learning. We're gonna do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Ready for it. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. What's the best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book is A Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh man, mistake was probably with the triplex and not going with my spidey senses about the property. I didn't really talk about it, but we had a significant amount of issues with this supposedly turnkey property. And so I took those same spidey senses and I brought them to this 34 unit and I turned away and it worked out for the best. What are the issues on the triplex? Let's see. When we first bought it, within two weeks, it got broken into and all the appliances and air conditioners got stolen. That was a pretty hefty insurance bill. We had AC problems after that. We've had ceilings need to be replaced because of leaking air handlers. We had significant termite damage that had been covered up with insulation in the crawl space that we found afterwards. We had pest issues. We've had issues with tenants. There's been some roof issues. Just a lot of different issues. (laughs) And how do you communicate that back to your two partners? A lot of the investors I talked to in the area had asked me about this property and the property's on a street called Carver Circle. So they would ask me, what's up with Carver? So I would tell them all these issues we're having and it kind of dawned on me, I can talk to people individually or I can write about my experiences. I can talk about my experiences and put it online. So what we started was a blog called Rookie Real Estate, which is basically a testimony to my start from a rookie real estate investor at the end of last year to where we are now. It talks a lot about how I got started, the mistakes that we've made, the different issues that we've had, and some lessons learned along the way. And it's geared towards a first-time investor. For me, starting off, there was almost like a fire hose of information. And it was hard for me to kind of focus on one thing and get started. So I wanted to start this blog as a way for first-time investors to kind of get their bearing and guide them towards all these different resources we have available. But also give them that things are going to happen and that problems exist and not to have this spiritual view that everything with real estate is going to work out for the best. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? 
Yeah, of course. So I am on Facebook, Anthony Pinto. We also have a Facebook for our business, Pinto Capital Investments. We have a website, pintocapitalinvestments.com. And then you can also find us on Instagram, I have LinkedIn. And then finally, our blog, rookierealestateblog.com. And there's also links to our website on there as well. Anthony, thank you for talking about your first couple purchases, as well as a deal that didn't work out how you use some lessons from the second purchase to influence you backing out of the third purchase. Much better to learn on the triplex than on 10 triplexes combined. And the specific examples of some of the red flags too. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks y'all. It's honored to have on here. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. Best ever listeners, go to bec20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, bec20.com.